and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the pod, we have Wasim Daher, founder and CEO of Pilot. Though he's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Wasim, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I'm so happy to have you. Are you ready to dive in? Let's do it. Let's do it. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Modern Treasury. Modern Treasury makes APIs that help companies build products that move money. And guess what? They're hiring. They're backed by Altimeter, Benchmark, and Y Combinator, and on a mission to be the de facto standard for money movement for the world's most innovative and fastest growing companies like Pipe, ClassPass, and Gusto. Imagine saying that when someone asks what you're working on. Not bad. Before Modern Treasury, there's never been a universal API into the global banking system. And I guess I'm both surprised and not surprised by that, but it seems inevitable. And now it's happening and you could be a part of it. According to the Breakout List, a curated list of high growth breakout startups, Modern Treasury's customer list is strong, growth is excellent, and contract sizes are large. Historically, about half the team works out of their San Francisco office, about a quarter in the New York office, and a quarter remote. So a little something for everyone. Modern Treasury is looking for ambitious, product-centric folks, especially on the technical side, engineers, designers, and PMs in particular. Find out if Modern Treasury might be your next big move at moderntreasury.com careers. Wasim Daher is CEO and co-founder of Pilot, a company that provides finance, accounting, and tax services for startups and growing businesses. Prior to Pilot, Wasim co-founded Caseplace, which was acquired by Oracle in 2011, and Zulip, a group chat for business, acquired by Dropbox in 2014. He studied computer science at MIT. Wasim, welcome to the pod. I'm pumped. I'm pumped too. I'm so happy to have you on. I was very excited when we were able to arrange this because we have a lot to talk about. Let's do it. So one of the things that I know about you is that you used to organize San Francisco's largest dachshund meetup. And I just feel like we need to start there because I have something to confess to you about dachshunds. Well, let's start with a confession. I thought that dachshund, the dog, was spelled D-O-X-U-N-D, and that there was a separate dog named a dachshund, and that D-A-C-H-S-H-U-N-D is how that separate different dog was spelled. That's not an unreasonable view. I was 20 years old when I learned the difference, so... (laughs) Yeah, probably you should have figured that one out sooner. Maybe. But (laughs) we'll allow it. We'll allow it. Okay, good. Tell me how you came to organize that meetup. Well, here's the weirdest part about this, which is I don't even really like dogs that much. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the story. My wife is very into dachshunds and she grew up with dachshunds. whole thing in their family and like her aunts and uncles they just everyone has dachshunds that's like their family's thing like if they had a family crest the dachshund dachshund would be on on it yes that's incredible so as a birthday gift one year i was like i was familiar with corgi con which is yes you know big corgi meetup in san francisco it's very popular i was like why is there no dachshund representation like shouldn't dachshunds have their own meetup Absolutely. And also the joy that seeing a dachshund brings is amplified exponentially the more dachshunds there are. Oh, definitely. That's one of those types of dogs, right? Where like one dachshund is great, but two dachshunds is like four times as great. Definitely. Completely agreed. And so I was like, okay, Doxicon, let's make it happen. And then you sort of have to like pretend it's already a thing to get it to work. Of course. So the advertising for the first Doxicon was like, the 2018 annual DoxyCon is back. Oh my God. Better than ever. Oh my <laughs> so God. Like that. That's brilliant. We've always been doing DoxyCon. Yes, Just come of to course. This one. We're back. Right. 
did you tell her in advance of organizing this incredible gift that DoxyCon was happening or was it a surprise? I think I did the legwork and I had to sort of clue her in so that she would come along. But yes, no one really had a sense of how big it was going to be because we made a Facebook event, a bunch of people RSVP'd, but I mean, you know how it is. Yeah, of course. So how many dachshunds were there? Uh, like on the order, a couple hundred, I'd say. What? A couple? <laughs> I'm sorry, I was not prepared. I thought you were going to say like 30, 40 dachshunds. There were a couple hundred wiener dogs running around together? Look, look, when I do things, we go big. Oh my God, I love it so much. Okay, I need photo or video footage from this event at your earliest convenience. That's incredible. Have you, Do you own dachshunds now? I, you know, I think own is not the preferred term. Oh, here, sorry. Uh, so we had a dachshund is part of our family. Yes. What's the dachshund's name? Laika, which is the name of the first dog in space. Wow. That's beautiful. That's really cute. Did you, you said you're not that into dogs. So what was the process like of bringing one into your family? I would say a slow wearing down. I see. Okay. <laughs> I actually, growing up, I was afraid of dogs. I was like really, really, really afraid of dogs. Did something happen or was your family afraid of dogs or what was the story? No, I think like a dog chased me when I was at the playground in elementary mm. school and like that'll do it. My face and I'd like, yes. you know, I'm sure the dog was being friendly, but it, it freaked me yeah. out. Oh, and then I was riding a bike and a dog chased me. I guess this happened a lot. Okay. Yeah. So I think we're seeing a theme. We're sensing a pattern. (laughs) And then like my dad would be like, they can smell when you're afraid, which I think is true. Yeah. And then they like get all up in your face as a consequence. I was terrified of dogs. Yes. Now I like, we have a dog and I am very much all about her. Of course. How could you not be? Also, dachshunds are so cute. Agreed. It's a leading question, but don't you think they are among the least intimidating dogs? Absolutely. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I will. You know, I was afraid of dogs, as we just said. Yeah. And I specifically had a rule as I started to warm up to dogs. I was like, if there's any ambiguity about who would win in a yes. fight, like if it's going to come <laughs> down to this, if there's any ambiguity, yes. Yes. I'm afraid of that dog. Of course. So like Dachshund, your odds are, it's not 100%, but your odds are pretty good. But like German Shepherd, it's like, okay, no, that's not no. going to work for me. Because there are certain breeds of dogs that seek gainful employment, like German Shepherds work at the airport, for example. Right. Dogsons, I mean, not so much. There's a cute beagle that works at SFO. Like, oh, that's, yeah. The beagle's not that intimidating, but that beagle will find your like, produce from other countries or whatever. Absolutely. Smart beagle. Do you think that your dog could get a job? And if so, what kind of job she would be best at? Con artist. Really? <laughs> yeah, we have a whole thing where we narrate like our dog's like We also have a one-year-old now, and so we also do this for him. Oh, that's and really cute. And our dog is like constantly stealing people's credit cards and like what? playing tricks on them. Not in real life. In this in this fictional narrative, our oh, dog is running I scams like, big time. I had a lot of questions. Okay, knowing it's fictional makes a lot more sense. You said you have a one-year-old boy? Yes. What does he think about your con artist stories, your heisty dog? Oh, he loves the dog. He's obsessed with the dog. That's amazing. It's not 100% reciprocated. They're mm-hmm. they're figuring it out. Well, the dog, it sounds like predated the baby. Significantly. Okay. So this was the issue when my mom had me. She had a dog for 11 years, a tiny poodle, until I came along. And until I arrived, this dog was the center of my mom's world. And then one day... I showed up and my mom totally changed where her energy went. And Murphy, our little poodle, absolutely resented me for it. He hated me. I think that's very common. I was suspected that something like that might happen, but actually our dog has been very, has has been very welcoming. I mean, the things she doesn't like are things that no one would like, which is like a one-year-old will grab her face 
or her tail. Like, yes, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I think that's good feedback. That's good. I agree. (laughs) So how did you spend your last day off? I think I like went to Golden Gate Park. Because we have this one-year-old, you know, actually my days off in some ways are more scheduled and more Hmm. like regimented than my not days off. And I think we like took a stroller walk. Do you keep a personal calendar as well? Oh, yes. Yes. Right. My whole life is in my various Google calendars. Me too. And also it blows my mind that not everybody is like that. Did you know that not everybody is like that? I did, but I, you know, I like, I'm a weirdo and I think I like understand that most people are not like us. Oh, I think that is true. I think that that's right. But it still blows my mind. It's like, logically, I know that not everybody is like that, but I look at them and I'm like, how do you get to places? How do you know where you're supposed to go? I do wonder how you stay organized. I would literally not show up to anything. Nothing. Even if I make social plans, it has to go in my calendar. I used to go back and add stuff like retroactive. Oh, I like Like that. if I did something mm. and it wasn't on the calendar, I would add it later to let, I guess, future me know that I had met with you or whatever. I was. Would you retroactively invite people to the calendar invites or you were just keeping note? That might be a bridge too far. I might. Yes. I'm not going to say I wouldn't do it. Of course. Yeah, I probably would have hesitated. Well, in a way, it's sort of like having a digital journal. Totally. Of what you've done. I actually like to do that. Like, oh yeah, that was March 22nd. Mm-hmm. And I also went to the store. I guess right. I don't go to the store on my calendar. <laughs> you also went to DoxyCon. Well, I'm right. sure DoxyCon was on the calendar. Definitely. A hundred percent. I'm sure it was on calendars all around the city. Clearly. Almost certainly. Hundreds. Oh my God. Hundreds I still can't believe that. Calendars. That's amazing. My friends keep laughing at me in one of my group chats. I guess not laughing at me. That makes it sound like they're enjoying it, but they continuously give me a hard time for how insistent I am on a calendar invite, but they've never come through. I'll always be like, can someone send a calendar invite? And they're like, no. And I'm like, Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> so you cool. are the calendar inviter of the group. I just don't even bother inviting them now, though, because why let a good calendar invite go to waste? They're not going to accept it. They're not going to check it. I just add it to my personal calendar, which I think is sad because then it just looks like I'm going to an event alone. And also it makes me feel like the event is less finalized if the other person has not accepted it. Right, because you don't know that they're going to show up. Exactly. Maybe they got the time zone wrong or something. Which is 100% a thing that could happen. You're preaching to the choir here. I will accept your calendar invites. Thank you. This is a long-winded way of making sure that when we hang out, you will accept my personal calendar Definitely. invite. I'll even send calendar invites. We'll get we'll get the calendar invite dynamic going. It's That's what good. we need. Great. So is there a fad that you look back on participating in that now looking back makes you a little cringy? That could be like fashion, something workout, cultural, whatever. I would say like... Everything I did from 1999 to 2009. Probably. <laughs> a full 10 years. <laughs> a whole decade. What was going on for you? It was just a rough time. I would say probably if I had to be more specific, sure. I was like pretty into emo rock. I was like like all about like Dashboard Confessional. Hell like, yeah. I was, I was pretty in that world. Yes. Okay. So let's set the stage a little bit here. So this is between 99 and 2009? Yeah. I would say it's like all of high school and mm-hmm. a lot of college. Okay, amazing. So in addition to Dashboard Confessional, what are some other bands that stick out to you about that period in your emo rock phase? This is like a little bit later, like Taking Back Sunday was kind sure. of on that list. Mm-hmm. Death Cab for Cutie. Oh, of course. You got to have the Death Cab in there. I saw Dashboard Confessional do this very acoustic style show in Brooklyn when I was 
very young. And I remember that I was very young because my father was terrified of the fact that I was at this concert and he dropped me off. And then he kept texting me and he was like, are you done? Is it over? Is it done? Are you, (laughs) is it over? And I was like, I can't leave until they play hands down. That is my favorite song. And of course they're going to play it last. Right. And so I'm like, no, they haven't played. He's like, can you leave now? And I'm like, no, they haven't played hands down dad. And I leave the concert he never left. He'd been waiting outside in the car the entire time. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. Now, so did they play Hands Down, though? Of course they did as the yeah, final you song. It. You got it. I will never forget that. Do you have a favorite Dashboard song? Favorite Dashboard confessional song? I ask because I was recently revisiting the Dashboard catalog because they just came out with a new song. Did not know that. Yeah, I'll send it to you. We'll have to. It's yeah, great. Please do. I okay. was listening to it on Spotify and wasn't looking at what was playing. And I thought, damn, this new band really sounds like Ford Confessional. <laughs> and then I checked and I was like, oh, he's back. I have not thought about these songs in probably a decade. Sure. But if you like started to play one, mm-hmm. it would just come flooding back. Like, 100%. I'm sure the lyrics are in there somewhere. I totally believe that that is true because that is certainly how it has been for me. So in addition to the music associated with emo rock, were were you dressing in the fashion of an emo rock star? Were you in a band? No, no, I wish. I wasn't cool. Like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I was extremely nerdy in high school and in college and probably still today. (laughs) I mean, I think that we've both established that we're on the same page on that note. What sticks out about your high school experience that makes you feel like you were nerdy? Oh, I just like wasn't cool. Yeah, I wasn't cool either. Here's my assessment of my high school experience. Please tell me. I was like super smart. Okay. Not to be arrogant about it. No, no. I was like really good at school. And I think the other kids like respected me for being good at school. Oh, that's nice. So no one was mean to me, actually. Oh, that's great. But I like, I don't know. I was like in the computer club and in like the robotics club Mm, and mm. like Model UN and debate. Wow. Quite the recipe. So you said you have a son. Do you have any aspirations for his level of coolness upon entering middle or high school? Do you hope that he's cool? Do you hope he's not cool? Have you thought about that? Oh, I definitely hope he's not cool. I worry that he's going to be cool and I think it's bad for him. Is that because your wife is cool? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Basically short answer, yes. (laughs) <laughs> That's the problem with marrying someone cool. No, Wasim, you've taken a, a gamble. Honestly. We're rolling the dice in a dangerous way here. Seriously, I don't think I'm going to be able to handle it if my kids are popular. They're going to have problems that I cannot help them with. Yes. Yes. Well, hopefully your wife can handle that that part and you can steer him into robotics club. <laughs> Absolutely. That's definitely going to happen. <laughs> That's a good division of labor. Well, speaking of family, is there anything that your family did growing up that at the time you thought was normal and then later looking back realized was kind of weird? This is like not quite what you're asking, but Mm -hmm. here's a kind of confusing thing for me. Okay, tell me. Which is that my parents both grew up in this tiny village in the middle of nowhere in Lebanon. Oh, okay, cool. And they moved to the U.S. in like the late 70s, early 80s, and my siblings and I were born in the U.S., but like all my aunts and uncles like came from Lebanon. Yeah. It's like all like super immigrant stuff too. Like I came to this country with $4 and like I still have the $4 and you know, there's a lot of like, it's a lot of like only in America kind of stuff. That's cool. And they all speak English, but they speak English with accents because of like, course, you know, yeah. they moved to the US. But I didn't know that. I just thought that like, huh. that's how their voice sounded. If you're like, does your dad have an accent? If you'd asked me that question five years ago, yeah. I'd like, no, that's just how he sounds. It's not an accent. But my friends would be like, no, your dad definitely has an accent. Or like, your mom definitely has an accent. I said, no, that's just, that's what their voice sounds like. That's not an accent. That's fascinating. And it's not like I don't have the ability to detect 
accents. Like of I can course. tell you if other people like, oh yeah, you are speaking with an accent. Yes, but for yes. whatever reason, I was just like, that's just how their voice sounds. Wow, that's super interesting. When do you think it dawned on you that what you took as this is just how they sound was actually specific to like coming and being raised in a certain country? Well, I mean, someone had to call it out. I think the the other example that was even more pronounced in some ways is like a lot of my relatives live in Ohio. Oh, okay. And some of my cousins have like actually quite strong, like regional Ohio accents. Oh, really? That didn't register for me. I was just like, that's just what mm, their voice sounds like. Yes. And then someone had to tell me like, oh, your your cousin has like a real, or you know, whoever it is, your relative yeah. has a real Ohio accent. I was like, are we talking about the same person? Like, are you sure? Wow. And like, yeah. I mean, like, listen to them. That's and funny. And I didn't, I was like, oh, I, yeah, okay. I hear it now. But it just, it just didn't register that way with me. I know that when you were 25, you once ate nothing but pizza for an entire week. <laughs> Could you tell me what, <laughs> what you, I don't want to say like what you were thinking, but I just have a lot of questions sure. about how that came to be. Most stories that begin this way, it was a bet. Here's probably how it started. I was opining about pizza okay. and about how pizza is the most versatile food. Okay. And I'm sure that at one point in this rant about how great pizza is, I was like, you know, pizza is so versatile. I could eat nothing but pizza and it would be totally fine. Oh, and no. my co-founder was like, well, I bet you couldn't eat pizza every day for every meal for a whole week. Oh, no. And I was like, game on, let's do it. And you survived. I crushed it. I was nervous, actually. At the end, I was like, am I going to burn out on pizza? Yeah. Not at all. No? On the contrary, if anything, it deepened my love of pizza. That's honestly unbelievable. If I had nothing but pizza for an entire week, I think I wouldn't be able to have it again for six months, maybe a year. You have to eat different kinds of pizza. Like you oh, can't okay. just eat the okay. same pizza for every meal. And the sad thing, no, okay, no, here no. were the terms. Yes, like, please tell Obviously, me. we spelled this out rigorously. Sure. Did you sign something? We should have. I guess it was a, it was a verbal contract. <laughs> okay. <laughs> every meal had to be pizza. The rule is you can't make your own pizza because you can't, you don't want you to cheat by saying like, oh, this cookie is pizza. Yeah. It had to be sold to you under the name pizza. You're kidding If it was me. described as a flatbread, eh, that's not going to work. Pizza has to be in the name of the item. That's amazing. Actually, I should say it has to be the noun. It can't be like pizza bagel. It's got to be like, like breakfast wow. pizza is permissible. But like pizza flavored chips, like if that's a thing, no, that wouldn't be allowed. What is a breakfast pizza? Imagine pizza, but like with an egg on it, maybe a little bacon. That sounds delicious. It's great. Does that exist? Oh, yeah. <gasps> that's huge. And you can make it pretty easily too. I'm learning. I put egg on flatbread sometimes. That's nice, but I it's haven't. A pro move. Wow. Okay. I think adding an egg to almost anything makes it better. I agree. I like an egg do you, on a burger. Do you ever do that? Oh yeah. Egg on a burger, egg on pizza, egg on ramen. Egg, I mean, egg and ramen is pretty classic, but. Egg and ramen is classic. Egg on a rice bowl. I really like. Put sure. an egg on it, you know? Why not? A little protein, pretty good for you. Big fan. Wow. Okay. That's very impressive. Wasim, if you were kidnapped, but you had the chance to communicate secretly with your friends and family and needed to tip them off that something was wrong, what would you say? Well, look, if I tell you, then I can't then use it in, in the actual situation. So like, I'm gonna have to come up with a name. That assumes that the kidnappers listen to my show, which thank you so much. That's very flattering. <laughs> they probably do. I mean, you <laughs> have good listeners. You have certainly the sophisticated type of people that would kidnap me. That's a great also point. also be listeners of non-technical. Yes, I only attract sophisticated kidnappers. Naturally. Here's what I can tell you. I often okay. think about what I'm going to call a reverse question, mm -hmm. which is, let's say that I have been kidnapped or I've been mm -hmm. taken hostage and you need to verify that I'm still alive. Okay, you, sure. You'd have to ask, 
I believe the technical term for this is a proof of life. Proof question. of life. It's yes. Like, it's like, what does Wasim know that mm-hmm. like only Wasim knows? Yes. It, probably yes. like my sister or my brother would, would have to be the one who would ask to verify this. Okay. I think a lot actually about proof of life questions and which ones would be good ones. Why do you think a lot about them? I think because they're in some ways they're like the ultimate inside joke. Hmm. Okay. Because like, it's got to be something that like only you, you and some other person know that, I don't know, you can't find out by Googling. So it has to be, remember that time that we, mm-hmm. like, I'll give you a specific example. Okay. Let me hear it. Which is that my sister and I used to play Legos together. Fun. Okay. And we had a, various Lego sets and all the Lego characters had names and backstories and they like, you know, did stuff together. And one of the Legos was named Smingo. <laughs> and Smingo had a brother. Okay. And so the proof of life question is, what was the name of Smingo's brother? That's a great proof of life question. And I can't actually tell you the answer because I happen to know that this is also a bank security question that my sister uses. <laughs> so, so I'm not going to reveal fair. the name of Smingo's I brother. I think that one, Smingo's brother can peacefully rest the, as a security verification password. That's actually a really good verification question, most of them are very bad and very easy to ascertain the answer to. My favorite bank security question, which how do I even have an opinion on this? But mm-hmm. no, I now that you it. mentioned it, I do. Mm-hmm. My yeah. favorite bank security question, and I think it reveals a lot about the demographic of the people who mm. I guess they thought banked here was, where is your vacation home? Oh my God, you're kidding me. I don't have a vacation home. You are <laughs> kidding me. That's hysterical. Yeah. They're like, when you fly first class, where do you like to sit? Exactly. (laughs) There's a lot of assumptions baked into that security question. Wow, that's hysterical. What is the most memorable gift you've ever received? I kind of hate gifts. You hate getting gifts? I hate gifts of all kinds. Where does that come from? Do you know? Yes, I do know, actually. Which is, I find it really stressful. Mm, Like, let's say mm -hmm. that I'm getting you a gift. Yes. Because, I don't know, it's your birthday or whatever. Yes. If I don't get you something really good, mm-hmm. like if I get you a gift that is like kind of okay. Sure. In my head, I imagine you opening it mm-hmm. and you being disappointed. Okay. And then like having to feign that you liked it to make me not feel bad. Okay. And it just triggers this whole like cycle of guilt. Like I feel bad. I didn't get you a good gift. And then the fact that you were sad about it makes me sad. Wow. Have you heard the phrase, it's the thought that counts? I have, I have, yes. That's fair. Also, like, wow, do I need to, like, talk to my therapist about this? If someone gives you a gift in earnest with the intention of, here's something I think you'll enjoy or I hope you'll enjoy, they've already nine out of 10, as far as I'm concerned, on the gift. Well, here's the problem. I also have the reverse thing that happens sometimes. Like, if you got me a gift Hmm. and I didn't really like it, of course, I would pretend that I liked it because I'm not a jerk. Right. But then I would feel bad. I feel bad on a couple of levels. Mm. I'll feel bad that I didn't like it. Okay. And I'll feel bad because I'll imagine that you actually thought I would really like it. Mm-hmm. And then I feel bad because like, I don't know, you tried really hard and like, maybe you just don't understand me that well. And you That's must have invested all this time in it. It's just like, I don't like gifts. Wow. I can tell. Yeah. With one exception. Oh, tell me. If the gift is perfect. Yes. The gifts I've enjoyed the most actually have been gifts that I've given where I'm like, wow, I am positive I nailed it. Okay. Like DoxyCon, that's a great gift. Come on, knocking it out of the park. I mean. But that's really hard. Yes. As a giver and as a recipient. Yes. Very challenging. So the feeling you're describing reminds me a little bit, I'm not saying it's exactly this, but it reminds me a little bit of the feeling of secondhand embarrassment. Do you experience secondhand embarrassment a lot? No, I actually kind of like 
that sort of like cringy comedy. Oh, really? Like Arrested Development or yes. like Curb Your Enthusiasm has a lot of like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like that stuff. Okay, cool. So speaking of comedy, have you ever seen improv comedy? I have. Okay. And so do you feel nervous or embarrassed for those performers or no? No, I like it. I actually feel like I get energized by people putting themselves out there. That's really cool. The reason yeah. I ask is though that like someone giving a gift is putting themselves out there. Like that's what they're doing. So it sounds like in some contexts you're cool with it. And then in other contexts you're like, oh no, what if they don't stick the landing? Well, the feeling specifically... It's not about them. It's actually that I feel bad that I didn't like it. Okay. It's not like, oh, I think you're a bad person. I feel bad because I imagine that you spent all this time thinking about like, I'm going to get what's seen the perfect gift and I get it and I'm not appreciative enough. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So this is an us thing. This is a Wasim thing. Yeah, it's a Wasim thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the giver. It's just totally like, what if I'm not appropriately appreciative or what if I'm not able to demonstrate how appreciative I am? Yeah. I just feel like ungrateful. I understand. This is where it's the thought that counts really kicks in and brings us home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, it's a, it's a phrase for a reason. Speaking of phrases, do you have a catchphrase or other words that people in your life feel are specific? to you? Not really. I think I used to say good times. Good times. Good times. A lot. Good times. <laughs> okay. Good times. In, in like lulls and conversations or like referring to actual good times? A little bit of both. Okay. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Good times. Good times. That was the thing I think a lot of people were saying for a bit. Yeah. I think it Is had that right? a point in time. It, it feels of an era. It feels of an era. It does. It does. Do you still say good times? I don't think so. Maybe uh, Would you consider bringing it back? Have you thought about bringing it back? I don't know. It doesn't seem that compelling to me. Okay. I feel like I need something a little bit more branded, you know, a little bit more different. Mm. Like Shabam. Yeah. Shabam is perfect. Literally pitch perfect. Could not make a better recommendation than Shabam. <laughs> Wasim, if this does not work its way into your lexicon, I will be devastated. As you should be. It's great. You can tweet it. Actually, here's what you should do. After every tweet, reply to your own Shabam. tweet with Shabam. Do you watch Parks and Rec? Yes. Like, it's like, you just got jammed. That would be, it'd be like my, you just do a jam. Perfect. Perfect. Every single tweet, I want to see a follow-up tweet that just says Shabam. Shabam. And I think you can explore with the punctuation. Is it Shabam exclamation point? Is it Shabam six exclamation points? Is it just Shabam no punctuation? The gentleman's Shabam. You've no idea what's coming next. It's very exciting. It could go either way. I would have said one exclamation mark, but I'm not, I'm clearly not thinking expansively enough. You got to just think outside the box. You know, that's something that I've learned in my, in my many years of wisdom that I've had <laughs> on this planet. Certainly. Okay. Well, wow. I'm so glad that we just figured that out for you. That's kind of incredible. Do you believe in ghosts? <laughs> no, no. Not at all. Non-starter. Not at all. Have you ever believed in ghosts? I desperately as a kid wanted magic to be a thing. I know, me too. I was very into magic. I used to get all these books from the library about like how to do magic tricks and stuff. Yeah. And then also hypnosis. <gasps> cool. Have you ever been hypnotized? No, I like want to be. I'm sure that you could make that happen. Now that you say that out loud, you're almost certainly true. That's, that's yeah. almost certainly <laughs> like, how have I not done this yet? Yes. Tell your wife. That's what you want as a gift. Wait, next time someone needs to give you a gift, have them give you hypnosis. And then you will know it's a good gift and they'll know it's a good <laughs> gift and you don't have to feel bad. And if I don't, the like hypnosis person could convince me that it was. That's exactly right. This is perfect. Done. 
So you've never, ever been hypnotized, but it's something that intrigues you. What intrigues you about it? Well, I think especially as a kid, because I wasn't sure if it was real or not. Mm -hmm. I read about it like in a book Mm -hmm. and I was like, what? I don't know where these books came from. There were like a bunch of books that presumably like were from the 1960s or something sure. in our school library. Yeah. Some of which were definitely like, why was this book in this library? I grew up okay. mostly in the DC area in Arlington, Virginia. Nice. And I vividly remember actually like reading lots of biographies from our school library. Huh. For whatever reason, the school, the reason is actually clear, had a lot of biographies of Confederate generals. Yeah, I was going to assume that that is what... <laughs> They're like really like apologists, like it's like bad stuff. Yeah. Like about like how great Stonewall Jackson was and stuff. It's like, oh what? boy. And I was just like reading these books. I was like, yeah, Stonewall Jackson, interesting guy. It's like, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that definitely gives me a very fine people on both sides vibes for yeah, sure. <laughs> which there were not, to be clear. No. There, there were yes. not very fine people on both sides. <laughs> wow. So instead of that, you read about magic. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, so I like I don't know if the people who got the hypnosis books were also the ones procuring the like apologist biographies of yes. war generals. So, yes, you know I wasn't sure how much to trust the hypnosis books. You definitely need to check your sources on that one for sure. Okay, well I'm excited for you to get hypnotized. We used to have a hypnotist come to our school every year and put on a show, and I also always wanted to get hypnotized. What they would do is they would have everyone in the audience follow some basic hypnosis steps at the start of the show. Have you seen shows like this? Yes. And then if it works on you, you go up to the stage and it never worked on me. You're immune. This is a strange dichotomy though about me as a person. I really hate to be audience participation. This is the one exception. Oh, so if you're like at a stand-up comedy show, you like don't like little crowd work. It's like, oh, where are you from, Alexis? If it's stand-up, and it, then I'll do it because it's to help another performer and give them sure. something to go off of. But in basically every other scenario, I'm the person staring at the floor. Like, don't pick me. Even like a magic show, like a pick a card, any card. I don't want to do that. I love to be the assistant or whatever. I've always wanted to want to be that person, but I just, I don't have it. No one's perfect. It's okay. I know. I know. I think it has to do with performing and feeling like unprepared to perform. And yet you host a podcast. But I'm prepared to do that. That's true. <laughs> we can edit this as you were telling me That's earlier. That's right. There was a calendar invite. I have, yes. a, I have a list of questions. <laughs> That's fair. It is not impromptu. No, this is my one giant magic trick. If you weren't doing what you do now professionally, what would you be doing? Okay, I have two different answers for you. And they're, they're pretty different, but actually they're not that different. Ooh. One, U.S. ambassador to France. Okay, hell yeah. Two. Yes. Film director. Wow. Okay. A lot to unpack. First question for you. Why France? I'll give you the long version of why France. Okay. Do you speak French? I do. Oh, you do. Okay. So that that helps a lot. Yes. Yes. That does help. I think that they look for people. Specifically, I think they do want them to speak French. They do. Yes. That's yeah. a plus, certainly, for the job. I actually, I'm not sure it's a requirement, but it probably really? should be. And I'm just all about France. Yeah, so let's let's dive into that a little bit. When you say you're all about France, what do you mean? Like you like French food? You like the music? <laughs> sure, the music. No. You like that but, one song, La Vie en Rose? I do like that song, actually. It's a beautiful song. I have a music box that plays that. Oh, that's cute. I imagine yeah. it'll be a good music box song. It is nice. I'll give you the Why France short version. Yes, please. When I was a kid, we lived in Tunisia mm-hmm. for between third and seventh grades. Okay. And 
one of the consequences when we went to the American school there, and like one of the things they did there is they started teaching kids languages earlier. So like in third grade, I was like taking French. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. I just like started earlier. And so I guess yeah. that got me into that it. That helps. Yeah. And then there was like no American TV in Tunisia. Just like, oh, didn't have it. Sure. But you could like get satellite from France and you would get oh. dubbed American shows in French. Like what? Like X-Files. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, so cool. I, we were all about watching X-Files in French with That's awesome. Mulder and Scully. <laughs> so it, I spent a lot of time like watching the adventures of Mulder and Scully. Wow. Um, so I think that probably contributed to my... I'm sure that helped you learn a lot of French really quickly. About aliens and stuff. About... You don't really need that vocab is, is the problem. I don't know. I mean, the political ambassador, You we don't know what's coming next. You, that might come in very handy. <laughs> like if there's like a UFO thing and I need to talk yes. about it. Yes, you we'll would be so prepared. I'm hyper qualified for that specific scenario. Fantastic. I will let the people know. I'll talk to my people who deal with those people and they will they'll reach out. I appreciate that. Okay, you're very, you're very welcome. De rien, if you will. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's the tiniest hill you're willing to die on? It's probably Google Sheets. Mm. Their columns. It's a spreadsheet. I already love this hill. There's a thing where you can delete the columns you're not using. That's in right. Google Sheets. Like if you mm-hmm. only have like four columns, you can like delete the others. And by default, yeah. they're just like infinite number of columns. Yeah. I always delete the unused columns. Really? It drives me crazy when they're unused columns in rows. Wow. Okay. I don't want them there. All right. So many questions. Okay. Let's align on something. I don't think there are unlimited columns at first. Isn't it at first just A through Z and then you have to add more? So aren't there only 26? There might be a thousand rows. I know there's a thousand rows. There's definitely a thousand rows. I don't know how many columns there are by default. Okay. Too many. Too many, though, is the answer. So does that mean that when you're done with a, a sheet, and you're ready to share it with someone, it actually just looks like a little box. Yep. Have you ever considered, and I'm not saying this is a better solution, but I'm curious, have you ever considered just removing the grid lines from the columns and rows you're not using? No, no. I just don't want you to be able to scroll out into the white nothingness. Yeah. It definitely makes it look unfinished. Yeah. Like what if there's something hiding way over there in column like AF? Column AF, let me just say. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So do other people in your life now follow suit and do this? This is a point of contention with my wife. How many Google Sheets are you two exchanging? A lot, actually. A lot. I love that. So maybe she is not that cool, actually. I think that's good news for you and your son. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) And she like wants the extra columns there and I do not want them there. You're burning daylight by removing columns that ultimately get added back in. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. You might need them later. But at the same time, life is short. And if you're spending any part of your life looking at a Google sheet, it should be a Google sheet you want to look at. I agree. Wow. Highly curated. Amazing that you two are able to work through that and still have a, a beautiful, lasting marriage. So kudos to you. It's been tough, but yes, we a lot of communication is the secret. <laughs> That's right. That makes a lot of sense. I'm sure there are a lot of calendar invites as well. Definitely. Oh yeah, of course. That's the that's the real secret, I think, to longevity in any relationship is calendar is invites. being on the same page about calendar invites. Confirmed. I love it. I you could blurb me on your testimonial on that. I would. Okay. I would perfect. <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, this is a two part question for you. Who would play you in a movie about your life? And in this movie, should we do a biopic or should we focus in on a particular chapter? of the Wasim story. So that's, I think, who would play me and then who I would want to play me in it. Perfect. As you can imagine, those answers are pretty different. The Let's who hear would it. play me, and I'm not enthusiastic about this. 
Okay. <laughs> it's, do you know who Tony Hale is? Yeah. Wait, Tony Hale is a fantastic actor. He is. Absolutely. Yeah. But I like, you know, my Tony Hale association is Buster and Arrested Development. I see. Do you relate to Buster? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, like in Arrested Development, I'm Michael or George okay. Michael. Pro- probably I'm George <laughs> Michael, let's be real. <laughs> I would not want to be Buster if I had to choose. I did see Tony Hale, though, in a one-man show or an almost one-man show on somewhere in San Francisco. I forget which theater. And he just absolutely knocked it out of the park and he did not seem like Buster. So I bet he would probably crush it playing you. I'm sure he would do a great job and I should be honored. You should be so lucky. <laughs> I, no, seriously. But my dream with him is probably, I think like Kumail Nanjani. Oh, he's so good. Wait, he's both great. of these are so good. Okay, he could play you. Oh, I would be I would be pumped for Kumail Nanjani. I mean, again, Tony Hale, I'm sure would do great credit to the work. Mm-hmm. But it's like the Buster thing, you know. I'm I not. get that. I do understand because of their previous roles. Whereas Kumail has had like cool. Now he's like doing comic book stuff. He's like a cool guy. Yeah, but he's got he's got nerdy roots. Like Big Sick was really really good. I thought he crushed it in Silicon Valley. I thought he was awesome there. I'm a big fan. He definitely has levels. I mean, to be able to do Silicon Valley and then be a big action movie person. I don't really know. I haven't seen a lot of comic book movies, so I am not able to say what he does in them, but I'm assuming it's like punching or maybe things are exploding. Zapping things. Yeah, like a lot of shabam, you know. Shabam. Shabam. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, Wasim, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Modern Treasury, a company building payments infrastructure to power $750 trillion in bank transfers every year. Oh, and they're hiring. I took a little peek on Glassdoor where, not to brag on their behalf, but Modern Treasury is currently rocking five stars and a 100% on would recommend to a friend. Here are four quotes from reviews that would personally make me excited to check out their careers page, all written by current employees within the last 12 months. One, low bureaucracy, spend time shipping features instead of in meetings. Two, leadership leads by example and people are encouraged to take the time off that they need. Three, team of curious individuals who love to learn new things, experiment, and get better every day. Four, a chance to get in on the ground floor of something huge. So there you have it. Getting stuff done instead of talking about it, leaders that walk the talk, and great teammates to work alongside. Plus, you know what they say about rocket ships, right? See if Modern Treasury might be the right rocket ship for you at moderntreasury.com careers. And we're back with Wasim Daher, founder and CEO of Pilot. Wasim, we've arrived at a very exciting moment in this episode of Non-Technical. We've arrived at the lightning round. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. First question for you, coffee or tea? Neither. <gasps> what? But tea if I have to pick. Okay, what does this mean, neither? I just don't drink any caffeine. Oh, really? At yeah. all? Yeah. I know, I know of this. I know there are people for whom this is true. Have you ever had caffeine? Oh, yeah, yeah. I used to like, you know, drink soda and stuff all the time. Okay, but not so much anymore. If I have coffee, yeah, everything gets like a little bit more black and white. Oh. It gets like really intense. And I'm like, I have so much energy. Oh my God. Like yes. a strong psychoactive drug. See, that is why I drink it. So what you're describing to me is like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, to be clear, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, it's awesome. Sometimes I'll very tactically deploy it sometimes. But in general, no, I don't drink. I don't drink either. It's just a drug that we've all accepted because it tastes delicious. It is delicious. Me. Yeah, coffee ice so cream good. is the perfect form of oh. coffee in my view. Coffee ice cream is delicious. But I really, I didn't used to like it as a kid because I used to not like the taste of 
coffee and now I drink coffee black. Wow. Oh yeah. And I'm super pretentious about it too. I'm like, where are the like beans from? Yeah, okay. Oh, first of all, my Chemex broke in my move, which is truly devastating. So I've been using a French press, which is also broken. This is how hard I go on my coffee. Okay. <laughs> Things are crumbling around me Clearly. from overuse. Yes. So I need a new French press and I need a new Chemex actually. Now I know what gift to get you. So yes, we're set. Exactly. Hypnosis and the French press. We're in. Perfect. See, this is what you just have to put it out there into the universe. Shabam. Okay. Wasim, <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite board game? Not really. No, I'm sorry. I feel like I failed you on that answer. No, you didn't fail me at all. Is there one that you really don't like? You know, everyone likes to hate on Monopoly. Yeah. Do you also like to hate on Monopoly? No, I'm pretty easygoing. I'll do anything. Okay. Okay. You need a mix. Here's something that I know for sure. I spent the weekend with some friends. You need a mix of people who are enthusiastic about games. And I think that it is good to have some people who are super enthusiastic. And then I do think it's good to have some people who are a little more go with the flow because then the game overall feels more balanced. There's more levels. Sure. It's not just like eight hyper competitive people gunning like for the Settlers win. Settlers of Catan or whatever. Right, exactly. I remember not wanting to play Settlers of Catan because it meant mm. I would have to stop making fun of people who played Settlers of Catan. That's hilarious. Yeah. But ultimately, I was like, fine, I kind of do want to see what this game is about a hundred percent i mean i can't make fun of anybody for doing anything because of my hobbies right like once you spend a couple years doing improv comedy there's very little room to then be like oh you're lame so i really don't make fun of people for how they spend their time yeah there was no point at which i was like oh no i wonder if i should play settlers it was like i'm a settlers person like you just have to accept your lot in life that's very true to the spirit of improv isn't it like yes and oh yeah, yeah. absolutely when you make the bed do you use a top sheet or no top sheet? Uh, no, duvet. <gasps> okay, so, so like no top sheet. over the mattress and then yes. duvet. No top sheet. No top sheet. Though when I was growing up, I had a top sheet. When did you change? This is non-technical. We asked the hard-hitting questions yes, here. Yes, seriously. I think like <laughs> when I started going out with my now wife, she was <gasps> all about the duvet. Wow, no top sheet. Okay, yeah. really fascinating stuff. But also another secret to marriage is compromise. So great job on that. I think the duvet is actually an upgrade. No regrets. You think so? Yeah. It's like fancier and European. Well, this is why they're going to appoint you to be the ambassador of France. Well, hopefully this podcast won't disqualify me from that role. No, there's no way. Like the Senate has to confirm you. This might come up in the hearings. Yeah, but then it'll be like, look how long he's wanted this. He's so dedicated to France. Let me read from the transcript. I'm all about France. Like they'll, <laughs> they're going to, this is perfect. This right, is going to help your case. In. You're right. This is, this is a <laughs> slam dunk nomination. Exactly. I use a top sheet and a duvet. So fun fact. Best of both mm -hmm. worlds. Mm -hmm. It is. Have you ever read a book twice? Yes, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh my God. All three, the whole trilogy? Oh yeah, yeah. Wowee. It's a lot of time. I think, you know, I was young. Oh, okay. Do you have a pump up song? You know, not one that I use regularly, but I have thought a fair bit about like what my walk-on song would be if I played For baseball, like baseball? Yeah. I definitely don't. Sure. <laughs> you know, it might be Rock Me Amadeus. That would be an epic walk-on song. I really love that. And I love the idea of it being a pump-up song. Please report back if you do use it as a pump-up song and let me know how it goes. I'm almost guaranteeing you're going to crush whatever you do. That is what you should play before the Senate confirmation hearing. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. <laughs> okay, Wasim, sad that we're already on our last question, but tell me this, what would you title your memoir? 
Well, I think we have to say shabam, but you know, oh I God. feel like there there is an opportunity. I love it. There's more we can do here. We'll have to take it offline, I think. Okay. I do think that shabam is a hilarious memoir title. We write it on the book with like a, you know, I'm drawing, for the listeners, I'm making like a comic yeah. book starburst yeah. shape with my hands right now. Here's what I think, though. It's shabam, yes, in like that pointillism, comic book yeah. font, et cetera. But then it's on top of, I think like, I'm, I'm thinking maybe a Google Sheet is the background. Ooh. Do you know what I mean? It, it would be like shabam. Colon, the Wasim Daher story. And then the cover is the white grid of a Google sheet. And then Shabam sure. is on top of it. It's subtle. I'm in. Let's do Great. it. <gasps> I'm so excited. May I just say, Shabam. Shabam. <laughs> Wasim, thank you so much for joining me on Non-Technical. Thank you for having me. This was fun. This was really fun. Where can people find more about you? Well, you can read my Substack at wasim.substack.com. Wow. Or you can follow me on Twitter at, at Wasim. Or you can visit my company's website at pilot.com. Those are all great ways to do it. When you say at Wasim, at at Wasim, is it A-T Wasim or is it just at your name? No, that was super confusing. I meant you can find me at, pause, the at sign Wasim. Oh, so you just your first name? You first name it? Wasim on Twitter. (gasps) How long have you had Twitter? A long time, but also I got this one at Burning Man. There was like someone at Twitter and I was like, I'm Look, shaking my head. I just I, taken by sub. You I need know, to know. My head is in my hands. Oh my God. <laughs> to end on the note that you got your Twitter handle at Burning Man, just when I thought we were going to have a long lasting friendship this is filled with this calendar is invites and gift giving. And you leave me with, I got my Twitter handle at Burning Man. Oh, okay. I'm going to take some time to recover for this. Wasim, it has been such a pleasure. You can find me at Gay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram or a non-technical pod on Twitter. One more time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Bye. See you. Bye. (laughs) 